0: Well, my sister has a great brother, and growing up, I'm not sure, I'm not sure she always recognized that. And one day, I remember we were just she would do these things that would tick me off. Like if there was if we would have pie at the house, there'd be one piece of pie left and I, I would kind of claim it as my own and, and not really that it became mine or anything along those lines, but it was just kind of like I, I'd put it over to the side and be like, nobody else is gonna eat this pie. And my sister would swoop in and she she w- didn't like all all of the pie. She would just scoop out the fillings like a savage. She would scoop all the fillings out of the pie and just leave the crust so that the person thought, oh, there's still a piece of pie there. And then I went, and there was no fillings in, and all it was was crust. So I was ticked off to begin with. And I was I was in middle school at the time, so food's everything. And I'm like, fine, I started with my dessert like any good middle schooler knows to do. And since that was ruined, I went on to the leftover pizza that I had ordered the night before and had delivered to the house, and there were a couple slices left, and that was going to be my breakfast, pie and pizza. That was going to be my breakfast. And I went, and I opened up the pizza box, and I saw that her savagery was not limited just to the pie and scooping out all the fillings, But she also ate all of the toppings and all of the cheese off the pizza, but left all of the crust and sauce. So she left me crust and sauce and pie crust. But nothing else. And I was really mad at her. And so we started fighting. And she was really mad at me about something. But I can't even remember what it was that she was really mad about me. And I think that's very telling. Because as her brother, it probably means I did nothing wrong. What it could mean, (laughs) what it could mean though, is that I remember how I feel she wronged me, but I've distanced how she feels I wronged her. And I think that's incredibly telling in our lives, is more often than not how how quickly we are to hold on to the hurt that other people have caused us, to hold on to the offenses that have been committed committed to us by others, and how quick we are to forget the ways that we have wronged other people. And this is a theme that we're going to talk about this morning, all wrapped up in this concept and this idea of forgiveness. And we're going to see just how vitally important forgiveness is. Thanks so much for joining us this morning at Lakeside. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here at Lakeside, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. We're looking at something today we're calling Storyteller, and we're looking back at some of the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus would oftentimes tell stories that his audience could relate to, and today we're going to analyze one of those stories with a theme on forgiveness. So if you have your phones or your tablets with you, we'd invite you to follow along right there on your phone or tablet. There's a great app that you can download from the App Store. Just go to the App Store of your choosing. And type in Bible. And there you will find the Bible app. It's just called the Bible app. And once you've downloaded and installed the Bible app on your device, there's a number of great features within the Bible app. But one of the features available to you within the app is events. And once you're in the events feature within the Bible app, you can either enable your locations on your phone... Or you can type in zip code 54201 to look them up manually. And their Lakeside Community Church will pop up, and you can follow along with us this morning that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Matthew. The New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew is a gospel. It's an account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And we're going to be in Matthew, and we're going to start in verse 18. Matthew is also the very first book of the New Testament. So if you have a traditional Bible with you there, you can join us in Matthew Uh, chapter 18 as today we're going to look at a story that jesus told about this idea of seeing the faults in others about the wrongs that we commit and about forgiveness and the role that it needs to play in the lives of those that follow jesus so we begin this morning in matthew chapter 18 verse 21 where we read this then peter came up and said to jesus lord How often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Let me read that again. Then Peter came up to him and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Here's the question. When we boil it down, here's the question. How many times do I have to forgive someone? How many times do I have to forgive someone? That's a good question. And it's a question you may have wrestled with. It's a question that you may struggle with. For some people, the answer is zero. They want the answer to be zero. It's you do me wrong once, we're done. Relationship's over. I carry a grudge for the rest of my life. It's just my comfort zone. It's how I operate best. If you've ever met a four-year-old, they're right there. They are right there for about five minutes. And then after five minutes, it's over. It's over. But some people never emotionally progress. And they continue that, but their patience grows longer, sadly, through life. So they have the same mentality and the same mindset. It's just they're a lot more patient than they used to be. And what they used to be over in five minutes, they carry for a lifetime. For other people, it's, it's once or twice. What's the answer? This is a question. This is a question that's important because it impacts how we treat other people and how we respond to, to situations and circumstances in our lives. And this is something universally that has to be answered because every single one of us will have somebody do something to us which is wrong. We will all be a victim in a circumstance or in a situation. And so this is an important question to know the answer to, is how many times do I have to forgive someone? And before we get into the answer, I think we need to look a little bit more at the question. And I believe the way that Peter asked the question tells us everything. Because Peter doesn't ask Jesus, Hey, Jesus, how many times does my brother need to forgive me when I mess up? That's not the question that Peter asked Jesus, because that's not how we think of it. That's not how we look at it. It's a lot easier to look out the window and see the flaws and see the failings of everyone else than it is to stare in the mirror and to have to deal with the flaws and the failures that are our own being, and that are our own fault. It's a lot easier to look out the window and look at the mess of everybody else than it is to look in the mirror and have the mess that we've created stare right back at us. It doesn't make make Peter a bad guy. It doesn't make us bad people. Because this is the question that he asked. But it's just psychologically how we conduct our lives. It's easier to look out than it is to look in. And as Peter looks out, the question that he comes up with is, Jesus, I've got a brother, and he's going to wrong me. And how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he wrongs me? How many times do I have to do that? And then he throws out a qualifier because he's trying to be the teacher's pet. I love this. How, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he wrongs me? Seven I mean, that sounds like a pretty healthy number, doesn't it? Seven times? Somebody, somebody comes and, and they wrong you once. Okay, that's a mistake. Twice, right? Starting to notice some unhealthy habits here. Three times, do you even like me? What's going on with this relationship? Four times, hmm, You know, probably ready to throw in the towel there. Five times, you're really patient. Six times, you're just a glutton for punishment. But seven times, wow, you are spiritual, Peter. Well done. Like, man, you are, woo, you're impressive. Like, you just, seven times, Lord? You can just hear it. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Oh, can you imagine the emotions going through that answer? When Jesus is like, Peter, it's not seven, and Peter's got like, that's right. Yeah. That's the question. Jesus is impressed that I would even go to seven, but Jesus' is like, seven, come on, seven times. No, you don't have to forgive somebody seven times. Why would you allow somebody to wrong you that many times? Seven times. And so Peter's like thinking, Phew. I didn't really want to do seven times, but I just felt like I had to, had to offer. You know, it's not like I really wanted to follow through. I mean, we all know what those offers are like. I don't, but, and then he's like, oh, great, I don't have to do that. And Jesus says, not seven, but 77. You just know, Peter's like, oh, crap, I didn't even want to do seven. And now Jesus is like, 77? Like Jesus just takes that standard and he just blows it out of the park says Peter we aren't we aren't even on the we, same page nothing we aren't even in the same book here it's not 7 peter it's 77 and can i just tell you when we are in need of forgiveness we love this answer when we need to be forgiven when we reach the point where we recognize i've wronged you i've failed you I've messed up. This is the best answer we could hope for. And can I just tell you, when we're the people in need of issuing forgiveness, when we're the people that have been wronged, I don't know about you, but there are times I hate this answer. When I need forgiveness, I cling to this answer as tightly as i can i'm like here's what jesus says i know we've had this argument a million times but here's what jesus says and i know when when we need it we we love this and yet when we have to issue forgiveness some of you got the list right now and you're up to 75 and you are just like you are just waiting Because once 76 and 77 happened, you were like, thank you, Lord, this is over, this is done. But you've got the list running right now. Because when we have to issue forgiveness, we don't love this answer. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So Jesus tells a story. He's just told us how many times we have to forgive somebody, and then he tells us a story. And in this story, there are servants of a king, and they owe him money. And one servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, we're not talking about dollars. This isn't $10,000, because if it was $10,000, it'd be a lot better for the subject of this story. Let me give you some perspective. The Roman government, the Roman government at the time that Jesus was telling this story, received 900 talents of annual revenue from four combined regions. Let me tell you that again. The Roman government, at the time that Jesus was telling this story, their annual revenues from four combined regions would be 900 talents. That is 11 years worth of government taxation revenue that the subject of this story owes the king when Jesus says 10,000 talents. It's an astronomical amount. It's an astronomical amount. It's a time we can't even wrap our minds around you know, we talk about billions and trillions of dollars. I, I know some of you know the answer to this, so you don't need to shout it out and embarrass me publicly. You can tell me afterwards when we when we eat a donut out in the lobby. But you know, over trillions, what's next? Is it zillion? I don't know. What's zillions? Who knows? But we're talking this when Jesus is telling this story, it's essentially him going to the number above trillions just to give people this mindset of how much money the subject of this story owes the king it's a massive amount that he is owed it's it's no way and it's no way that he could repay it and since he could not repay it his master ordered him and his wife and his children all to be sold into slavery because they have racked up a debt that they cannot fulfill and we're going to go on with the story in just a minute but i just want to i just want to pause here I just want to pause here and give you just a little bit, just a life principle, just to reflect on before, before we keep going on this. And, and this is all I'm going to say about it. Just be careful. Be careful about how much money you borrow in life. Be careful about how much money you lend in life. There, there is so much angst and anxiety that comes from, from money. There's so many problems that are created in relationships that come as a result of money. There's so many strong feelings. We, we saw it this week with student loan forgiveness, and frankly, I don't really care where you land on that. I, I, I'm glad you land there, but but whatever. We're, we're not going to turn this into that. But, but there are so many strong feelings about money, which we saw on full display this, this past week. And so I just want to encourage you that I know this is a countercultural message right now, and the idea of delayed gratification and satisfaction, but I just want to caution you, be careful about how much money you're willing to borrow. Be, willi- be very careful about how much debt you're going to put yourself in. Be very careful about loaning money to people. I think a great rule of thumb Is the people that you love and in your life, if you cannot afford to give them that money as a gift, and I don't care how you structure it in the relationship, but if you cannot afford to give them that money as a gift, then as much as you love them, it's probably not a sound financial decision for you to give them the money. And even if you structure it as a loan, but then if they can't repay it, you just know, hey, I don't need that money. And so it's not going to sever the relationships. Some families aren't ever on speaking terms again because of what goes on in this area. I just want to caution you to make wise decisions. Be very careful. In in a society that will tell you, "Hey, borrow everything and don't worry about it," just just be very careful. Don't put yourself in a situation where debt is crippling and debt becomes a source of frustration and fear and anxiety. In your life, and if you find yourself there because of choices you've already made, we have people who are willing here at Lakeside to walk alongside of you and help you formulate a plan so that money does not have to be the main stressor in your life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy and I'm not saying it's going to be fun. And you're probably going to look at some aspects of the plan and be like, I'm not doing that. But you have a choice to make of whether or not you want to experience God's blessing with finances by living according to his plan or not. So that's available if this is an area you're struggling with. I know there can be shame and there can be like, I don't, there's there's this level of privacy. What I will tell you is that anything that our our team comes alongside and assists you with and helps you formulate in your plan is 100% confidential. And what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to keep you stressed. The enemy wants to keep you in shame. The enemy wants you to feel like there's no way out. And so he's just going to keep telling you, uh, you can't talk to anybody about that. And and he's just going to rely on your pride to say, "I, I don't need any help. Nobody can help me in that. But there is a better way, and we have people here that want to help you with that. So I'm just going to tell you, that's available. If that's something you want to pursue, hit us up at the office this week with a conversation. We will start getting together a confidential team to help you in your circumstances. We move on in verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. (laughs) I mean, at this time, the servant's just trying to buy time. He is just trying to buy time. So think through your favorite gangster movie, all right? Think through your favorite gangster movie that you may or may not admit to watching uh, right now because you're in church, but whatever, you watched it, all right? And think through that scene where they're, like, out on the skyscraper, and they're holding the guy over the ledge, By his feet, and he's dangling, just staring at at the death, which is 50 stories down below, if they let go of his feet. And he's just yelling anything at this point in time. I'll repay it. I'll repay it. I'll get it to you in a week. Just trust me. I just need a little bit more time. I'll repay what I owe you. That's exactly what's going on in this story here. I'm a little shy right now of the 11 years of tax revenue that I need to get to repay you, but I'll come up with it. I'll do it. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. He didn't tell him, hey, I'll give you a little extra time. We're going to adjust the interest rate. We're going to hit you with a few fees, but you know we're not going to sell you and your wife and your kid's into slavery. Now the master says, it's taken care of. Your debt is gone, it's wiped clean. And you know that feeling when you experience forgiveness. There's nothing like it. When the weight that you have carried of wronging someone It's just bearing down on you. And the other person tells you, I forgive you. And that weight is released. That's the feeling that's going on here. And if only the story would end there. What a beautiful picture this is. Of how God has forgiven us. Of a debt that we could not repay. How God has intervened in our lives when we had no way of making right what we had made wrong. But God showed up through his son Jesus who would set us free and wipe the slate clean and forgive us and pay our debt in full. But the story doesn't end there. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Now, a hundred denarii isn't like ten bucks. It's about three months' worth of salary. So it's not a small amount But might I remind you, the guy who's choking the guy over three months of a salary has just been forgiven a debt of 11 years of four regions worth of tax income. And the guy who's been forgiven seizes the guy who owes him a far lesser amount. All he thinks about is not that he's been forgiven. All he thinks about is this guy owes me money. And he starts to choke him, demanding that he be repaid. And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Now let me ask you a question. What's easier to repay? Three months of a salary? Or 11 years of taxation from four regions. Two debts. Both unpaid. Two pleas. One. I'll do whatever, I'll I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. The other, a carbon copy. Whatever it takes, I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. I just need more time. I need more patience. And the guy who had been forgiven, the guy who owed 10,000 talents, refuses the pleas of the man who who owes 100 denarii. And he went and he put him in prison Until he should pay the debt. He who has just been forgiven of his debt goes and imprisons someone else because they have not repaid their debt. This is irrational. as much as we all see that, and it it, it enrages us, and we're like, this is just strictly irrational. How could anybody be so blind? How could anybody do this? And that is our response, and it should be our response. Here's the hard truth. This is also true of us sometimes. That Jesus has forgiven us a debt that we could never repay. Not just one sin or another sin. I mean, we couldn't repay one. But let alone every sin we have ever committed and every sin we ever will commit. Every failure, every flaw, every fault, every shortcoming, Jesus has forgiven us. And when someone wrongs us, what is our response? Is it a propensity to forgive? Is that where we start? And I hope the answer for us is yes. But in my own life, I know there are times that that's not my starting point. I've got a process. and I've got to work to get to that point. And as much as we look at this story and we're like, that's irrational. Same thing is true in our lives. That we have been forgiven far more than we can even fathom. And when we are in need of forgiveness, we love it. We love the fact that we serve a God who looks at us and doesn't say, hey, I'm going to forgive you once, or I'm going to forgive you twice, or I'm going to forgive you three or four times. But we love the fact that we serve a God whose answer to this question is it's not 7 times it's 77 times. It's more than you can even fathom is the answer. And we also struggle when we are the ones who have to offer that same forgiveness. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Other people witnessed this, and they are appalled. Other people witness this, and they are appalled because they know. They know what he's been forgiven of. They know the story, and they see that he who has been forgiven of a 10,000-talent debt will not forgive someone who owes a hundred denarii. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt as appalled as the onlookers were, as appalled as everybody who saw this scene unfold was, the master is even more appalled. He's even more appalled. And the question is this, how can you accept forgiveness and not offer it? And how I wish that question was reserved for this story and this story alone. How I wish I didn't have to answer that question. But I do. And it's the question that Jesus asks of everyone who follows him. How can you accept forgiveness and not issue it? And there's no good answer to that question. Because of people who have been in need of forgiveness and are constantly in need of forgiveness. We have experienced a debt far bigger than we can even fathom being wiped clean, and there is no way, there is no way that we then cannot forgive others. The master throws the servant in jail. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. How important is forgiveness? Well, Jesus answers that question emphatically. So we might scratch our head and say, wait a minute, does this mean... That in order for us to experience the grace and the salvation that Jesus offers us, that that in order to do that, we have to forgive somebody, and thus we earn... We earn our salvation by forgiving others. Is that what Jesus means here? And the answer is no. There's no way that we can earn the salvation that God offers to us. There is no way that we can earn the forgiveness to us. It's very clear that Scripture teaches us that it is a gift given to us by God. Not of ourselves, not of anything that we can do, not any way that we can work towards it or achieve it. But it is all directly from God it is from God exclusively a gift from God so what does Jesus mean then when he says this and this is the answer that is people who truly experience the forgiveness that God offers there is no way that we can truly experience that forgiveness and not extend it to other people. That if we do not extend forgiveness to other people, it is because we ourselves have not fully experienced the forgiveness that God offers to us. And we have followed an idea of Jesus or a concept, but we have not entered into a real personal relationship with Him. Does that mean that forgiving people is always going to be easy? No. No. And one of the common misconceptions about forgiveness is that if I forgive somebody, then I am forced to go on with the relationship as though nothing happened. And Scripture teaches that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Forgiveness releases the pain. It releases the debt. It releases those feelings that you have towards the other person that God would smite them. And you're like, oh, yeah, I pray for my enemies all the time. Just not going to tell you what my prayers are. And forgiveness, it ends those prayers, it ends that desire. It doesn't mean that you have to invite the person back in your life in the same capacity and in the same relationship that you had before. But it does mean that any feelings you harbor, any desire to see them fail or bad things to happen to them, it's released. you will be wronged. And sometimes it's going to be in really small ways that frankly to hold on to are just petty. And sometimes it's going to be in massive life-altering ways that cut and scar and wound deeply. Forgiveness, it's not an option on that continuum. Reconciliation is. But as people that have experienced the forgiveness that Jesus has offered us, once we've experienced that salvation, once we've experienced the feeling of the debt that we could not repay being wiped clean. We are obligated to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us. I know that's not easy. And I know that's not fun. When we are in need of forgiveness... We love this concept. and Maybe you're there today. And maybe what God wants you to do today is just rest and realize in the fact that God sees your addiction. God sees the mistakes. God sees the mess. God sees your debt. It doesn't change the way he feels about you. You might finally come to the point where you realize, I can't repay this debt, and I say, thank God you reached that point. Because until you reach that point, you're not gonna understand salvation. Maybe today is the day that God's calling you for the very first time to experience and embrace his forgiveness. When we're in need of forgiveness, we love this concept. But when we're the ones that have been wronged, it's not as fun. But it doesn't matter. Because as people who have experienced the forgiveness that God offers, He leaves us no other choice. That we too must forgive. God, I pray for the people that are here that are watching online that know right now that they need to experience your forgiveness and your grace in their life. And I pray today would be the day and now would be the time that they quit trying to earn it, they quit trying to make it on their own, that recognize their need for you, that you would go to work, God, we pray that right now in the quietness of their heart, they would just give their lives to you. Saying, Jesus, I recognize that I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've fallen short. I know your love for me. Your sacrifice For you came to set me free. you paid my debt when you died on the cross. And you rose again, giving me hope. So God, help me live for you. Help me follow you. God, I pray for those that have already made that decision, already given their lives to you. who are holding on to something that they need to let go of. Whether it's because they they feel that forgiveness makes it necessary to have restoration or whatever the case may be, God, I just pray that today would be the day that they drop the weight. Remembering the debt that you have forgiven them. That they would experience the forgiveness. What happens when we forgive? Help us, God. This is not easy, but it is what you have called us to do. May we glorify you in this and every area of our lives. In your name we pray.